Well, good morning. How's everybody this morning? It's good to see y'all. Um, man, have y'all had a good week this week? <clears throat> well, I hope so, because Miss Sandy preached her tail off last week. So, uh, man, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, welcome to Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. I'm Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here. If I've never had a chance to meet you, um, I hope to. And, uh, it, but, it's, but it's certainly good to have you guys in the house this morning. It's good to be back up here to, to get to preach and minister to you this morning. Um, last night was a fun night at our house. We had um, several high school, some of Riata's friends, high school kids over to watch the UFC fights, and uh, we had a good time eating chicken wings. Y'all know what wings are? Wing chicken wings. We had the chicken wings last night, and um, it was it was a blast to have her and, and her friends come over and spend the evening with us. And so before I went to bed, they were all in there laughing and giggling and having fun. And um, one of Riata's friends said, give me a shout-out tomorrow. So I'm giving her a shout-out. Sammy Coons, I'm giving you your shout-out. So I don't know if she's watching, but let her know to go back and watch because I gave her a shout-out. So it's a good deal. Man. All right. I'm going to get into this this morning. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I'll go two weeks on this. I think I will. But... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a, kind of a two-part message today. And um, with that, if you have your Bibles, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bibles with you, that's okay. Um, you can get a Bible app on your phone. The YouVersion Bible app is always a good app to have on your phone. And um, if you don't care to do that, then we're going to put the Scripture up on the screen. So um, you, can, you can come along in that too. But anyways, the, um, you know, one of the cool things about the Bible is it is the all-time bestseller number one on the list of books. It is, it is the all-time bestseller. And, um, and, and, and with that, you know, really the Bible is not a book. It's, it's, a, it's letters, it's, it's other books compiled into one book. And I was looking at some things about the Bible, and it's somewhere to, uh, from 35 to 40 writers contributed to this book over a 1,500-year period. And then what we have today is a number one bestseller. And, and so out of 35 to 40 writers who wrote this book, um, there's only one author. Several writers, but one author, and that is God. And, and, and with that, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, and this is not where I told you to go, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, the apostle Paul writes there, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
That's the Bible. That's what the Bible's about. And, and you know, lots of controversies and things about the Bible people have. You know, they, they, they talk about um, things that are wrong with it. They talk about different translations that are wrong and things like that. But here's the, here's the way I see it. If you don't get into your Bible, you aren't going to have a very good opinion about anything. If you just listen to other people's opinion, you don't form one for yourself. And that's what I kind of want to start talking about today is, is perspective. It's perspective. Are you all here today? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is the writer of, of 2 Corinthians. And uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he didn't write it as a book. It was letters. He wrote letters. And most all of his letters to these churches that he had started, you know, when you, when you look at the book of Romans, uh, the, the book of First uh, and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, you see all those, um, those what we call books. They're just letters that he wrote, and he wrote them from prison. And the thing about the Apostle Paul is he's not sitting in prison looking to get out. You know, most people who go to prison, I've ne- I have never been in prison. <laughs> I have never even been to jail. And I ain't knocking on wood because I, do- I ain't going to jail. <laughs> Unless they come and pick me up for preaching the gospel. That's the only time. I hope. <laughs> After them UFC fights last night, I'm ready. You know, <laughs> salt and battery. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. But the thing about the Apostle Paul, because he went to jail for preaching the gospel, is that he embraced his incarceration. He embraced being in that place because now he's in a place where he can write to the churches and motivate them out of what he got put in jail for. And the Apostle Paul never writes and says, "Um, send me a lawyer to get me out of this thing. You know, file an appeal to get me out of this thing. He never did that. He just embraced his incarceration, not that he was glad to be there, but he embraced it in order to motivate people in the world, people who are free. And so in that, you know, he he wrote these letters to assure the Christ followers, the Christians, to assure them of the paradox, to ensure them of the dichotomy of Christianity. And that, that dichotomy, that, that paradox of Christianity is, is we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Even though you have to do life in this world, you are not of this world if you are a believer, if you are a Christ follower. So that's where I kind of want to have this um, thought this morning, and I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you there? Verse 7. The Apostle Paul's writing here and he says, We now have this light shining in our hearts. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But we are, are but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this good treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. 
We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but I get up again. Amen. No, we get, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Skip on down to verse 16. That is why we never get up, uh, give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Verse 18, this is where I want to get to today. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we are now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that whenever we read your word, whenever we hear your word ministered, that it brings blessing on our life. And I pray this morning that blessing from you, not not just, not, not from me. It's not about me and what I say. It's about you and what you say through me. So Father, I just pray that blessing of your word upon the lives of every person. Revelation come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk about perspective and maybe next week uh, I want to talk about perspective and, and, and perspective is something that we all have. It's all, we've all been given perspective to some degree. I heard it said this way, that perspective is like a camera with a panoramic view. Because perspective is, is one of those things where you can see the beginning. You can see way back here. You can see far to the left and far to the right. And that begins to form things on the inside of us as we see this, as we have perspective. Perspective shapes everything about our life. It shapes our attitude. It shapes our mindset. It shapes our point of view. It shapes our outlook. It shapes our beliefs. We all have, um, we all have perspective. And it don't always agree with each other. I mean, our perspectives of politics can, can run the gamut of far left to the far right. Right? You get it? You know, your, your religion, your belief system, the way you raise your kids, the education that you think should be attained in everybody's life, everybody has perspective of their own. It's been shaped by your life experience. It's been shaped by what you see and, and what you walk through every day. It's being shaped. And, and you, even as you get older, like my age, 52 years old, you know, um, your perspective starts shaping your perspective. And, you know, the perspective you had when you were 18 may not be the way it was, the way, way it is now. And so perspective is huge in our life, even when we don't recognize that, because, dadgummit, I'm right. 
and you're wrong. And haven't we had enough of that in our world today? Haven't we seen that? See, Christianity has its own perspectives. Christianity has its own uh, perspectives of philosophy, of theology, of, of doctrine. That's why we have so many denominations in our world, in, in church world. You know, most of those denominations were started out of disagreement with somebody else's perspective. Well, I don't agree that the Bible says it that way, so I'm going to go over here. You know, you may be the first ABC church, but I'm going to be the second. Or you may be the ABC church, but because my perspective is better, I'm going to be the first one. And, and so perspectives have given Christianity a bad name at times. But I want to tell you about a perspective that is always the same. And that's God's perspective. God never changes. He never changes. God is the one that has seen the, 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 the end from the beginning. God's perspective. So what I'm, what I'm talking about today is kingdom perspective. Because when we see things from kingdom, we see it through the lens of who God is. It's kingdom perspective. I mean, we all have our worldly perspectives, but the ultimate is a kingdom perspective. So that's my push today about perspective is a kingdom perspective. Kingdom perspective is still Christianity. It's still Christianity. There's still theology. There's still doctrine. There's still a philosophy of sorts. But the difference between all the other perspective and kingdom perspective is the lens. It's the lens. It's that panoramic view. Panoramic view from what God sees, not what we see. I, um, I know that most of you probably have been to an eye doctor before, right? Most of us have been to an eye doctor, and, and I don't know why I always put the eye doctor on the back burner until I really need it, until, until my glasses are blurry again, you know. No matter how many times I clean them, there's blurry again. And, and so I go to the eye doctor. You've gone to the eye doctor maybe, and, and um, the, the eye doctor rolls this big machine in front of you. You sit down in his little chair. He starts you know, checking you out, and then he rolls this big old intimidating-looking robot machine in front of you and tells you to look into it. And what I found is that that, um, that machine is called a foropter. A foropter. And, and so I, I looked that up for my own, my own knowledge. Uh, Pastor Greg, his, his uh, daughter-in-law is an eye doctor, so he probably would have told you what it was. He probably could have known that, but I had to look it up. But what they do is they roll this big foropter, this big machine in front of you, have you look into it. They load it up with lenses, and then as you're looking in it and seeing the picture, blurry picture in front of you, he starts flipping lenses. How's this, A or B? How about this one, A or B? How about this one? And for about the next 15 minutes, he just flips these lenses around until you can see clearly what's going on. That's what the Word of God is. That's what the Bible is. That's what it is. You know, when we, when we say as, as preachers that you need to be in the Word, you need to be in your Bible, you need to read that. 
you, you, you know, you need to get into that. You need to listen to some, um, some podcasts. You need, to, you need to really envelop yourself into the word of God because when you do that, it flips lenses and it clears vision of what God sees and not what you see. What, what the Apostle Paul said there in 2 Timothy, the verse we started out with, is he said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and he teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip us. See, if you walk through this Christianity life blurred, basing it all upon your perception, then we miss God's perception unless we get into his word and allow him to be the foreopter in our life, clicking the lenses to make our view the most optimal, optimal that it can be. It dials, the word dials our perspective. And coming through the last year, 2020 to 2021, you know, everybody was saying at the beginning of 2020, this is about 2020 vision. Having 2020 vision. 2020, we're all going to have good vision. 2020. And how many of you know that it just didn't seem that way once we got into 2020? (laughs) The only thing we had was chaos. 2020 chaos. It was a year like none other in our lifetime. It, you know, and, and we're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to, uh, like Bailey said, we're trying to get to that place of, of our normal being screwed up and we're trying to get back to a normal, somewhat of a normal, right? And so we're still trying to figure it out because we've had in the last year things that have never happened before, things that are not on the scale that we are used to, a pandemic, we've had riots, we've had politics, we've had um, vaccines, we've had all these things that would try to come and flip the lens on our perspective of what God can do in our lives or what we're uh, uh, enslaved to, what we're incarcerated to. But God's wanting to flip that lens. See, last year, there was no one that I I could not call my dad. I could not call um, a a preacher that I knew. I couldn't call anyone and say, how did you navigate a season like this? Because we hadn't been there. There may be some people old enough to see in this room or watching that, that may have seen something like it, but nothing to the magnitude of what we went through in this last year, what we've been going through. And when I think about perspective, that in the middle of what we're going through, I feel like I've been thrown into a murky pond and told to swim to the bottom with my eyes open. And as I'm swimming to the bottom, I can't see my hand in front of my face because it's so dark, it's so cloudy. It's so um, blurry. 
that I can't see beyond. And, and, and you know what that does to us? When we can't see what's out in front of us, when things are so chaotic, things are so cloudy and dark, what it does to us is it makes fear begin to rise up on the inside of us. It makes anxiety, frustration begins to arise. And I think that most of us have felt that in the last year because we just don't know. We're trying to get it, right? But see, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians. He's, he said there in, in verse 7, you know, what he's, what he's telling what the Apostle Paul is telling us is he's saying, you know, this place that we have or this place that we're in, um, we, we have to begin to change our lens. We have to begin to change our view. We change our perspective. And he says there in verse 17, and my, these are my words, is these troubles are small in the lens of the eternal. The trouble that you're going through, the trouble that our world is in, you know, it's, it's, it seems like a big scale. But what the, the truth of the matter is, is what the Apostle Paul is saying, is that this time, this thing that we're going through is a very small part. A year is a very small part of eternity. Because eternity was here before the world was created, and eternity will be here long after it's done. And this is just, I mean, this is not even a needle point of time in the face of eternity. In verse 18, in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, I'm going to read this from the New King James. It says, while we do not look, or that word look means focus, while we do not focus at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things, that we, uh, the things which are not seen are eternal. It's the eternal things. The unseen eternal things, those things that are beyond your hand that you can't even hardly see in front of you. He's saying, you don't, you don't have to be in fear. You don't have to be anxious for this. You don't have to worry about this. Don't let the fear rise and the frustration rise on the inside of you. Don't let these things happen because this is just a moment in the face of eternity. It's temporary. Do you see how temporary this is? I mean, one year, now we're starting to open back up. They did, they're not holding us forever in, in, this, in this place. They're not holding us forever in this place. Now, they're going to try, but they can't. They're going to try, but they can't. So why is kingdom perspective so important? I am so glad you asked that question. That is, that is so good because, um, you know, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 says this, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Because we're, we're down here and we think we know. We're down here and we think we're trying to get this perspective in our own capacity. But God says, look, here's what you got to understand. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He's saying, look, he's not, he's not trying to um, be snotty by being over us. He's not trying to pressure being over us. What he's trying to do is say, you've got to understand 
you've got to understand, I'm seeing things from a higher place. I'm seeing all of eternity from left to right, right to left. I've already seen everything. And so I'm looking at it from here, and I got you in that pinpoint moment. I've got you in that year of 2020. I've got you in 21. I've got you in 22. I have got you taken care of because I can see it. I've already seen it. And I've already seen your life. And I got you. When you're swimming in that cloudy, dark, murky, stinky water, I'm there. I'm just, you know, Jesus always said the kingdom of God is at hand. You know what that means? As far as you can reach out in front of you, the kingdom of God is right there. It's just right there. God has a bird's eye view. That's that panoramic lens that he's got. That's his perspective. That is kingdom perspective. He is looking at what we're going through from the kingdom, not from what the world says. Not a worldly perspective, but from a kingdom perspective. Isaiah 46 says that he has seen the end from the beginning. So we have confidence in that. It's, it's hard to believe that we are in the best place when we can't see. My father in the ministry had this thing of pointing his finger at you. And when he had pointed at you, he was a little guy, but his finger was big. <laughs> and he would say, write this in your Bible. You write, the, you write this in the front of your Bible. You, go get, you better go get a pen and write this down in the front of your Bible. And he'd say, faith is not faith until that's all you got. Yeah. Swimming in that dark, murky, cloudy water. And it's the best place we can be in when we can't see because the Apostle Paul goes on in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and he says, he says this, and you probably heard this before, for we walk by faith and not by faith sight. See, the thing about it is, is when we can't see is when God's the biggest in our life because he's already seen. He's already seen what we're going through. He's already seen this, this year. And, and this last year that we've gone through, we have experienced people that are maxed out and let me, let me just say this, and let me come at the, because we can look at the world and we can look at the news and see what's going on on TV and the news and all that, that stuff, and we can say, yeah, they're maxed out. But I've met so many Christians that are maxed out and on the edge because of what our world's going through. They're maxed. There's been times that I've got maxed. But as I, as I think about this, they're, they're maxed out in the politics I mean, l- Christians losing their minds over politics. Losing their minds over the elections. Losing their minds over the riots. Losing their minds over masks, vaccines, media. Are y'all with me? Because y- y'all are looking at me like, I hope he didn't see me. hope he didn't hear me. <laughs> you know what? I assure you. I didn't, but I know one who did because he's looking at it from a bird's eye view. He's going, oh, man, come on. Don't, don't get all maxed out about that. Don't get all 
angry about that. Don't get all frustrated about that. I got you. I got you. I don't care who's in the White House. I got you. I don't, I don't care whose life matters at this point because I got you. And, I'm, and I love all life. I don't care what CNN's telling you. They're Dilberts anyways. I don't, I don't know the guy. He thinks the news is that way, but maybe not the person who's given the news. He loves them. And if he loves them, that means we have to love him. And I've seen these Christians maxed out about all these things. And, and, and they would tell you absolutely unequivocally that they believe that verse that we walk by faith and not by sight. They'll say, oh, I, oh yes, brother. I believe. I, be, I believe that we walk by faith and not by sight, but they are maxed out because what they see is not lining up with their perspective. And their perspective is leading the way. It's time that we quit letting our perspective lead us, but we let God's perspective lead us. Over in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is once again pinning a letter to a church in Philippi that he started, that he helped start, or he, he had the idea of it in that area. And once again, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's not looking at his own circumstances. He's not sitting there writing a letter and saying, please pray for me, brothers. Please, oh, please pray for me because I want out of this. How can I be an effective minister if I'm not out of this? He's not writing that. As a matter of fact, 18 times in the book of Philippians, he talks about joy and rejoicing. He's talking about joy. He's talking about how to have joy in terrible situations. And he's writing that um, to, these, to this church at, at Philippi because they're going through the persecutions of, of people not liking their Christianity, people being arrested for the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, don't worry about that. God's got you. That when you stand before them and you don't know what to say, don't rehearse what you should say. Just let the Holy Spirit come upon you and tell people whether they cut your head off, whether they crucify you upside down, whatever they want to do. Have joy. <laughs> what? But, but listen to this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is from the Passion Translation, the, the Bible that my wife wrote. Um, no. the, the, the Passion Translation says this. It says, Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. When we find ourselves in that chaotic place, the place where it's trying to push us into fear, that place in our world that is trying to max us out and try to put us on edge. When we're in that place, the apostle Paul says, don't focus your thoughts there. Focus it on what is authentic and real and honorable and admirable. And he goes on and on. And he says, fasten your thoughts. I love that, that very last line. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Fasten your thoughts. I looked that phrase up. And the, the dictionary of biblical languages says that word, those, those Greek words there, fasten your thoughts, means to hold your view. Hold your view upon the word of God. Hold your view 
on what is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Hold your view. Because when we hold our view on those things, it becomes our walk of faith because we're swimming these waters that we can't see our hand in front of our face. But knowing that when we focus on these things, God has us in the murky waters of life. He's got us. He's right there. And that when we hold our view on those things, that it releases heavenly treasures. I love that what it said in the New Living Translation back when we first started reading 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says that there are heavenly treasures. And, and when we focus ourselves and we hold our view on those things that he told us to hold our view on in Philippians chapter 4, those heavenly treasures come from kingdom perspective. Where you're at. We hold our view on those things and the kingdom perspective starts to come into our vision through that lens. And he's saying that, we sh- that we'll have these heavenly treasures. That's peace. Heavenly treasures are peace beyond our understanding. Truth injected into our deceptions. Joy over depression. And confidence above guilt and shame. Those heavenly treasures. I love that concept. Heavenly treasures. When we focus on those things, heavenly treasures are released on the inside of us. Kingdom perspective is released on the inside of us. And, and I, I wrote that heavenly treasures down because I really wanted to put this verse in here. Maybe it don't fit, but I, I wanted to put this verse in here because I like this verse, one of my favorite verses. You ready? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It said, it is God's privilege to conceal things, but it is a king's privilege to discover them. See, God is not hiding these treasures from us. He's hiding them for us. When we get into the word of God, it's not that, you know, why didn't God tell me that before? 30 years into this Christianity thing, when I read the word of God, I see new things all the time. I've read that scripture a hundred times. And if something new comes out, why? Because he is hiding it for us, not from us. And when we find those things, it drops peace. It drops joy. It drops confidence. It, it drops everything that we need. Because what are we doing? We're going in and we're looking at what is pure, what is holy what is admirable, what is respectful. We're seeing those things that Paul tells us to put our focus on. So in, in landing this plane today, I'm landing this plane. I'm coming to a close here, but the, the last time, see the, what, what the Apostle Paul was writing to, to uh, the Corinthian church, what he's writing to um, the Ephesians, what he's writing to, uh, the Philippians, what, what he's writing to all these people, were not this this concept or this um, this doctrine of you know being in this world and not of this world that we focus on the good and not focus on the bad. He continues that same theme when he writes a letter to the church at Colossae, the church at Colossae. This is the the book of uh, Colossians, 
And in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing once again from prison to another church that is going through some pretty tough times. And he says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. Did you, did you see that? All that is above. All that's, that, that we take our view from here, from, from, from up here, from God's perspective. For that's where Christ sits enthroned. Well, I just spit all over the place. <laughs> for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of, heaven, of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of this earthly realm. He says, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts or fix your view with heavenly realities. Well, pastor, aren't you just trying to, to, to make us hope? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Because hope is that earnest expectation. It's that expectation of things out in front of us. It's the expectation of things that we can't see yet. That's what faith is. So we, we have this hope, which begins to drive our faith, that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we're, we're not putting our focus on everything that we can see in the natural realm, because that becomes distractions. But we put our focus on what the word of God says about our situation. You mean God spoke to us about 2020? Yeah, he did. He did. But that's where you're to go and dig. Not allow all this stuff to happen. What what if I get put in lockdown? Paul was in lockdown. Literally. But he didn't have the freedom to move uh, move about and go outside. He was in a dark dungeon, not able to see his hand in front of his face. And he said... I'm counting it all joy here. Right. I, am, I am looking at this from the heavenly reality. Amen? Amen? At no time is the Apostle Paul saying that you've got to live your life unplugged from this world. He's, not, he's, he's saying, look, you're in this world. You're in this world. You're, you're going to see it. You're going to hear it. You're going to, you know, especially if you've got a stinking cell phone. <laughs> Thank God Paul didn't have a cell phone, right? You know, he, he may have changed his whole perspective if he had a cell phone. <laughs> Looking at social, if he, had, if he had a Facebook page, man, he'd probably change everything. <laughs> no, I don't think he would. Because he's telling us, you're in this world, but you are not of this world. Don't focus on the distractions. Focus on what is real in the heavenly realm. Focus on what God can see. While we're in this world, the Apostle Paul is saying, while we're in this world, don't let, it, don't let it influence your path as a Christ follower. Don't let it influence your path. The big buzzword in social media today is being an influencer. I, I, I see so many pages come across Facebook and Instagram and things, and these people, people go, I'm an influencer. I can tell you how to do your makeup right. I can tell you what vitamins to take. I'm an influencer. I I can tell you how to work out because I'm an influencer. 
Now listen, I'm not against influencers. If you can influence, you know, when, when I'm standing up here talking, I'm an influencer, right? I hope so. I'm not doing something right. But shoot, if you're an influencer, influence the best you can. Be an influencer. If that's what you are and that's what you proclaim to be, be one. It's like a vitamin, be one. I told my mom, I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a vitamin. She says, we'll be one. Uh, I'm getting like Pastor Mark with dad jokes now. But see this new buzzword, this being an influencer and things is, is, is okay, but God wants you to be more than an influencer. He wants you to be an inspiration. He wants you to be an inspiration because every man, every woman, every child that God has used in this book, men, women, and children were the writers of this book. They are the stories in this book. And he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he said, every scripture is God-inspired. Every man, woman, and child was used to write the Bible because they were an inspiration, not an influence. Because if you're an inspiration, influence will come. But if you're an influence, you're not always inspired. Because being an inspiration comes by being led of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always sees from up here, but distributes to in here makes the capacity. That's what happens when we unlock those rooms in our heart. That's what happens. He comes in and, and begins to fill it with the capacity of who he is so that you can be an inspiration. Men, women, and children who were inspiration to write this book became a part of the all-time number one best-selling book ever. And you know what? You are too. Because there's one book in the Bible that has no ending. It's open. The ending is open. And that's the book of Acts. The book of Acts in the New Testament, it just ends with an open form. Because I believe that God wanted us to be Acts chapter 29. Because when you, it's like y'all got, uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> See, when, when we allow God to move us through inspiration, we become a writer of this book. Because he's saying, look, I'm leaving Acts chapter 29 open you become Acts chapter 29. Your life comes through my view, my perspective, kingdom perspective. When we allow it into our lives, we become a writer of the greatest selling book of all times. Because God's word holds the treasures that we need to release heaven in our life. See, those treasures on the inside of us produce kingdom perspective. And you may be sitting here today 
you may be sitting here today and you're going, you know what? This last year has been terrible. This last year has really sucked in my life. I know people who have died. I mean, I would, I would love to be able to call my dad today. But my dad died this year, this last year. He, he died in 2020, not because of COVID, not because of, he, he just, he, he went on. But I can't call him today. But I can call God because I live in the resurrection. I am resurrected. You are resurrected with Christ when you become a Christ follower. And in that, you have the capacity for the view of heaven living on the inside of you. You can go to God in your prayer time, in the word. You can go to God and you can see, he'll show you his perspective. And he'll say, look, I got you. You're on this, you're on this part of the scale, but I've got you. I've already seen it. I already know that you're going to make it through this thing. I already know that when you are living your best life now, that you are an inspiration and you are writing my book. That's kingdom perspective. That's kingdom perspective. There's so much more. There's so much more that God wants to do in our lives. But he wants you to know that when we look, when we begin to look through his eyes, see when, when, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, you can read this, is that the veil of the temple where God's presence was, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom and opened up into his presence because it's in his presence that we find kingdom reality. It's in his presence that we find kingdom perspective. And so he's given us access into him. And he, we, we have to give him access into us. And the only way that you can do that is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. See, it's at this time in most Christian services that the preacher will say, well, I'm, I'm going to give you the invitation to come and receive Jesus. But as I've been looking at that, I've been seeing it. It's the other way around. This is a time where Jesus says, I, I'm not being invited into your life. I want you to be invited into mine. Because the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And it was open. And now anyone can enter and access the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you're swimming in murky waters today, understand that he is right there with you. That we walk by faith and not by sight. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never said yes to him when he said, I want to be a part of your life, he's a gentleman. He's not going to invade you. He's going to simply say, I'm invadable. I don't even know if that's a word, invadable. But you understand what I'm saying, right? He wants you to come and be a part of his heart. He says, when you do that, watch what I'll do in your life. So if you've never done that, if you've never said yes to Jesus, this morning is the time to do that. I want to pray for you if you've never said yes to Jesus, but you want to do that today. Maybe you said yes to Jesus at one time, and right now you're not living the best life. But you're, you're sitting here today and going, I, I need this perspective. It's because I had my own perspective that I've stepped away, but now I need this perspective again. If that's you today and you need to step back into the things of God, 
say yes to him again. Let's bow our heads for a minute. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, and I thank you, God, for each and every person that is here today. Father, I pray that if there's somebody who has never said yes to Jesus, I pray that they would do that right now. Just say yes to him. If you were with him at one point and you haven't been living for him, say yes to him again. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute, if you're in this place and you said yes to Jesus for the first time today, would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? You said Jesus for the first time. Anybody? Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? Don't worry. I'm not going to make you get up and come up here and embarrass you and all that good stuff. That's between you and God at this point. It's between you and God. So anybody else say yes to Jesus? Maybe you're saying yes to Jesus again for the second time, for the third time, for the 158th time. You're saying yes to him again. Is that you? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yep. Hands all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. I raise mine with you. I raise mine with you. There's, there's things in my humanity that I need help in. So, Father, I thank you for these that have raised their hands. I thank you, God, so much for who you are and how you see us and the grace that you see us through, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ sees us through because we're now resurrected. When we said yes, we are resurrected with you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. I pray, Jesus, that you would show us a brand new way of living. In Jesus' name, help us change our perspective to your perspective. And we give you glory and honor and praise for doing that for us and to us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.